Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our online service today. Uh, we're so glad to have you here, whether you're part of our Orchard family, our Orchard Online campus, or maybe you're a guest just coming in. Thanks for dropping by. And we're excited because today we're in part two of a series we're calling When We Walk Away. Today we want to talk a little bit about how we decide <clears throat> the important foundations of our faith. Well, Beth and I enjoy watching some TV together, and occasionally we'll find a program that we both like. And one of those programs that we watched, uh, not so much now, but at least in some time back, was a program called Fixer Upper. Maybe you recognize this couple. Uh, you've probably seen them before, Chip and Joanna Gaines. What an incredible couple. Uh, Joanna is a designer, interior designer. <clears throat> uh, Chip is a, a builder. And so they work together to, as the title of the show suggests, fix up some old houses, remodeling, trying to find a house with good bones, as they would say, a good foundation, but then rearranging some things in the house to kind of make it look a little bit better. I kind of identify and relate to Chip because one thing that he likes to say is the favorite day in the whole process for him is what he calls demo day, right? When we demolish what's there, when we deconstruct what's presently there in order that we can reconstruct something different. I think most of us can identify with that and understand that because after all, it is easier to tear something down than it is to build something up. We've been talking about deconstruction. We've been talking about how it is that many today are not only deconstructing homes to remodel, but they're also remodeling faith. Deconstructionists are taking apart things in faith, things in the faith, things in the church, and reconstructing them, or not reconstructing them, but certainly deconstructing. Maybe trying to remodel the faith a little bit. Maybe trying to remodel the church a little bit. You remember last week we, saw, we said that many people are walking away from the faith and walking away from church because they are disillusioned with the church. Not so much with the beliefs, but rather with the behavior of the church. We talked about that, and you can go back online and check that out later on. But I want to say this. While it is true that many walk away disillusioned with the behavior of the church, if they stay away long enough, if you stay away, if I stay away long enough, probably my beliefs are going to soon change also. Behavior is important, but so are beliefs. What we're going to see today is that what we believe is important, but it's not all equally important. Let me say it again. What we believe is important, but it's not all equally important important. As a matter of fact, some things are more important than others. Now, how do we decide those when it comes to faith? When it comes to the faith, when it comes to our Christian faith, how do we decide what things are the most important? That's what we want to talk about today. Now, unfortunately, there's no tidy little list in the Bible that says these are the primary things that you have to build on in your faith. However, the Scripture does speak to elements of faith. It does speak to, to, to foundational things, to values, to characteristics, to beliefs, to tenets that we need to hold to that are basic to our faith. Some, admittedly, are more important than others. Now, they're all important, but some are 
different, some more than others. Now, let me take you, because right now you've probably got a big question mark behind what I'm saying, so let's go to the Scriptures. That is our place of authority, right? We have to begin. If we're going to sort through things that are important, we have to have some kind of authority. It's not enough for us to just depend upon our feelings, because sometimes our feelings can be shifted by circumstances, by every wind that comes along, right? It's, it, it has to be more than just what somebody else says to us, because not everybody who speaks into our lives is telling us the truth or giving us what's really best. Sometimes they're manipulating us for one reason or another. So we have to find some authority, some foundation, some authority that says, this is truth and this is what you need to know. Well, for us, that authority is the Word of God. That authority are the Scriptures. The Scriptures become the authority upon which we base our truths, our ideas, our thoughts, our values, that's where we create, that's where we find our list of things that must be held to for the faith. So I want to take you to the scriptures, to the New Testament scriptures, and it's the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. We've looked at that a lot recently, this particular book, and now we've come back to the 15th chapter of the book. And in the 15th chapter of the book, the Apostle says something that I find very interesting <clears throat> and very important, and I believe will back up completely our big idea today and say to us, yes, what we believe is important, but it's not all equally important. Now, let's read beginning in verse 1 of chapter, uh, beginning verse 1 of chapter 15. He says, I'm sorry, I almost gave verse 3. For I passed on to you as most important, now, now catch that. For I pass on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So think with me just a moment. Here Paul says a couple of things very, very important. <clears throat> he says, I'm going to teach you some things. I have taught you some things, but I want you to see that I want to pass on these as most important. Yes, everything is important. Everything is important that we believe, but it's not all equally important because he says as most important. Now, what does he say is most important? He does give us here a, a, a short, tidy list of what is most important. And by the way, please note that he is grounding it all in what? The Scriptures. He died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was raised again, what? According to the Scriptures. There's our foundation. <clears throat> There's our authority. And then he adds these words. He says, these are the things that are most important. First of all, that Christ died for our sins. The substitutionary, sacrificial, selfless, redemptive, atoning work of Christ on the cross is not up. For negotiation. It's not something we negotiate. It's not something we can remodel. It's not something we can change around to suit our own desire. Paul says it is of most importance and it is essential to the faith. It is essential to the faith being the faith. And then he adds this, he was robbed out for our sins and was buried, but then he rose again on the third day. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundational truth to everything. 
Everything we believe rises and falls on these things, the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. It is essential to the nature of what we are about. In fact, it is so important that later in this same chapter, the apostle says to this church, he said, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then we are of all men most miserable. In other words, if there is no resurrection, we have no legs to stand on. The death, burial, resurrection of Christ is foundational to the house. It can't be moved. It can't be changed. It is essential to the faith. Now, to make my point, let me try to draw a little illustration here or maybe an analogy. Think about a chair just a moment. Think about a chair. I've thrown some pictures of some chair up here for us to think about. What do we notice about a chair? Well, we notice there are certain qualities in a chair that makes a chair a chair, right? There are certain qualities about a chair that keep it from being a stool or a table or a bench or something else for that matter. If you notice the chair, we notice a couple of things. They can be shaped in different shapes. They can be made of different materials. They can be decorated in different fashions. You can change the color. My wife likes to do that. She's always changing the color of a chair, right? Painting or or with materials or whatever it might be. But basically, a chair has a certain function, and that is for us to sit in. However, beyond that, there are certain qualities that make it a chair, right? Because after all, you can also sit on a stool. Hmm. Think about that just a moment. This is clearly not a chair. It's a stool. What, how, what's the difference? Well, we could debate that. But the point is, there are certain essentials in a chair that make it a chair. The legs, the seat, a back, whatever it might be. And to change those means that you can change the nature, the very element of what you're talking about. Now, granted, you can sit on anything. I recall back when I was working in my dad's meat market, we didn't have chairs sitting around. So what did we sit on? I'd sit on the freezer. We had a chest freezer there. I'd jump up on the freezer and sit down. Didn't make it a chair. It was still a freezer. Now, in the same way, in a similar sense, we need to understand that there are certain things that make our faith the faith. There are certain things that make Christianity Christianity. And there are certain things that, if changed, It no longer is Christianity. It might be a religion. It might be something else. It might be a philosophy. It might be an idea. It it might be a way of thinking, but it's not the faith. It is not Christianity. It is not the chair. What is it that makes the chair our chair? What is it that makes our faith faith? It is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the authority of the scriptures, and maybe some more, but I think I made that point. Now, Paul goes on to tell us some different thoughts. He says, now, there are some things that we just don't need to squabble about. He was writing to Titus, and in his book to Titus, his letter to Titus, in chapter 3, we read some interesting words beginning in verse number 8. Listen to what he says. He says, this saying is trustworthy. This saying, he's been talking about teaching, instructing Titus. He says, this saying is trustworthy. I want you to what? insist on these things. There are some things we must insist on. There are some things we must hold too tightly. There are some things we must not budge in. Insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. But now he goes on. Watch this. He says, 
but avoid foolish debates. <laughs> there are some things we insist on because they are foundational. There are some things we insist on because they are primary. There are some things we insist on because to change them would change the essential of the faith, but there are some things we just foolishly debate about. Avoid foolish debates genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. Now, not the things necessarily you are debating, but the fact that you are debating them. He says, reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. Now, I know that this just doesn't ride well with some of you because some of you just like to debate. You'll argue with a fence post. I understand that. There are some people that are just going to do that. But Paul says, listen, you're foolish. You're, you're wasting your time. There are some things <clears throat> that are secondary. There are some things that are tertiary that, that you don't need to be arguing about. That's interesting, isn't it? You see, we, there seems to be a level of things of importance that the Scripture has told us about these truths. There are those primary issues that are not up for debate there are those primary issues that are, are, are in no way negotiable. And then there are some secondary issues. And then there are tertiary issues that, that, that decrease in the importance. And Paul says, why are you debating them? Why are you spending your time on them? The Greek philosophers, for example, spent their time on fine-spun problems, just debating uh, uh, their ideas, their philosophies. The Jewish rabbis spent their time building up imaginary genealogies for characters of the Old Testament. Well, that's what he's talking about here. He says, this is foolish. What does it matter? How does it affect anything? The Jewish scribes spent endless hours discussing what could not be done on the Sabbath and what could be done on the Sabbath. Silliness, silly ideas, taking it beyond the original instruction to try to build up some kind of a liturgy, to try to build up some kind of a habit, a discipline, or whatever it might be. But Paul says it's foolish to argue and ramble over these things. Sometimes they would argue over what foods were clean and what foods were unclean, trying to clearly define something and get into their... And, and oftentimes, by the way, they would fall away from faith because of disagreements over secondary and tertiary items. Now, can I just say the same thing happens today? Why we walk away, that's our topic. Why do, we, why do people walk away? Well, sometimes it is the behavior of an individual, the behavior of a so-called Christian, a behavior of the one who names the name of Christ, or maybe it's the behavior of a church, but sometimes it's beliefs. And oftentimes the belief that causes us to walk away, what I'm trying to say, is a secondary or a tertiary issue. We need to understand what are the truths that we hold on. I know people who are trying to decide about whether or not they want to be a part of the faith, walk into the faith, or believe Christ. I know people who are trying to decide whether they'll be a Christian when they find out. I'll be a Christian, they'll say, when I figure out how Manoah put two dinosaurs on the ark. Or did he leave dinosaurs off of the ark? Well, I'm not saying that's unimportant. It's important. But it's not as important as the foundations of the faith. Some would argue and some lose their faith or walk away from faith because they disagree with the time span of beginnings, how things began, how long it took for the creation to occur, how many days, how many years, whatever it might be. Listen to me carefully. It's not unimportant, but we need to understand those are secondary, tertiary issues. 
Our denominations will split and fight over things that sometimes I look at and I'm thinking, what are you thinking? What, what are we arguing? I think these are some of the foolish arguments that Paul is talking about here. William Barclay, commentator, uh, said it really well. I think he puts it pretty well. Barclay said, it's been said that there's a danger that a man may think himself religious because he discusses religious questions. It is much easier to discuss theological questions than to be kind and considerate and helpful at home or efficient and diligent and honest at work. He continues, There is no virtue in sitting, discussing deep theological questions when the simple tasks of the Christian life are waiting to be done. Such discussion can be nothing other than an evasion of Christian duties. Man, I think he is so right. And I think that's where Paul was going. I think that's where he was saying to the Corinthians, what he was saying to Titus. He was trying to say, listen, guys, don't get caught up in debates and discussions to test your intellect. Don't get off in the sense of pride to showing how smart you are and how independent you can be with discussing, discussing secondary, tertiary issues that can lead others to walk away from faith or to lead you to walk away from faith. In fact... Maybe there's some that are listening right now, and, and you're not so much thinking about someone else who walked away from faith. Maybe you're somewhere in the between there. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Maybe you're in between the person who is firm in their faith and the person who's walking away from their faith. Maybe you're here today, and you're thinking, well, I, I'm just considering it. I'm, I'm thinking it through. I'm wrestling with some things myself, and I'm trying to decide for myself what are the things that are essential. Can I, can I just say something to you very carefully? We need to understand that as you examine your faith, it's okay to do that. It's okay to be a, dis, a deconstructionist. You know what? Before Chip and Joanne could ever make the person, the, the guest, the client's dream home a dream home, they had to deconstruct. But the key is when they deconstructed, they turned right around and began to reconstruct. Sometimes we leave that part off. It's not a bad thing for us to deconstruct. It's not a bad thing for us to examine our faith, to examine what we believe, to examine our behavior. Those are not bad issues. And as a matter of fact, they are sometimes helpful. I think sometimes we actually need to do that. Noted theologian and, and author and seminary president Albert Moeller once said a few years ago now, he introduced us to a term he called theological triage. Now, we understand triage. It's a medical term that, that uh, he just took over into the spiritual realm. Triage comes from a, a French word that means to sort, to sort out or to sort through. And I think the idea comes from the ER, for example, when patients come into the emergency room and the, the patients come in on top of one another and there's so many of them and, and triage has to happen. They have to sort out which are the most important needs, which are the most important illnesses, what are the most important injuries and need to be dealt with first. They, they, they rank them, right? It's ranked on, a, on, on a, a, a schedule of importance. Now, Listen, if you're in that emergency room and you've come in, you don't want anybody telling you your illness is not important. You don't want anybody telling you your injury is not important, but it may not be as important as another. It is important. It's not all of the same equal. 
importance. And so this triage idea is carried by Moeller into our faith, and he calls it theological triage, and I think it's a good thing. And I think it could be something that would be helpful to you today if you're on that edge, if you're trying to figure out where do I stand in this faith? Where, is my, where, am, I, where am I in my belief where, where am I in, in regard to Christ and to the Christian faith? If you're trying to figure out that, then I suggest some, some theological triage. You've got to decide some important factors. You've got to decide some important factors that I've got to deal with. And then you begin. <laughs> you begin with the Scriptures. You begin with the reliability of the Scriptures. You say, well, I don't know if I believe the Bible is God's Word. Then search it out. Begin to read the eyewitness accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the life of Jesus. Begin to look at how history and archaeology have, have, have uh, affirmed what the Scripture says and was written before any of them came about. Think through the process. Find and discover the reliability of Scriptures. And then deal with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did He rise? If He did indeed die for our sins and rise again on the third day, it changes everything. And that primary issue is where we begin and where you settle. It is the foundation of the house. Remember that when you remodel the house, there's a lot of things you can change. There are some things more difficult to change than others. There are some things that you can deconstruct very easily. Like Chip, you can grab you a, 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 a a claw, you, you, can, you can grab you a crowbar, you can grab a sledge, and you can go to work, and you can begin to deconstruct all you want. But I'll tell you, friends, you better be careful because there's some things that are easier to reconstruct than others. For example, you be careful when you start tearing down a wall. It might be a load-bearing wall that caused the whole thing to cave in on you. It may be a simple little wall that's easily supported and easily torn out and redone. Furniture is easy to move around, right? We can do that all the day, all day long because guess what? It just dresses up things. And there's certain things in faith that we can move around and we can dress up. Now, I'll tell you, I do know people who will get really mad if you rearrange anything in their house. I know that chair always goes here and the couch never goes over there. But for the most part, we can rearrange furniture every day, anytime you want. There's certain things in faith that can be rearranged from year to year, culture to culture. There's some things that we hold to in our faith and we actually actually drive people away over where we put the chair or where we put the couch or where we put the TV set. How foolish, Paul would say. Look at the basics. Don't mess with the foundation. And if you mess with the roof and the road load-bearing walls, you better consult a professional. You better not just go in there with a the sledge and start tearing down. You better be careful. And there are certain things that as you begin to deconstruct and think about your faith, there are some things you need to be very, very careful about. There are some things you can change every day, every culture, however you want. But there are foundational truths, tier one truths, primary truths that we must hold to. And if you walk away from those, you change the chair into a stool. And Christianity is no longer to be claimed. You can claim another religion. You can claim your own philosophy, your own thoughts about God and eternity. But you can't call it Christianity if you deconstruct certain truths. What we need to do is use this tool. This tool, uh, it can be used to deconstruct, I get it, but primarily it is to construct. Don't deconstruct to the point that we fail to reconstruct.
Now, here's the takeaway for today, and can't wait to move on next week, and we'll look at this a little further, but let me close out this portion with this thought. Deconstruction is easy. Reconstruction is hard. I know why Chip's favorite time is demo day, right? My favorite part of a remodel is demo. I mean, you know, if, if I can just take this and knock out some walls, I'm pretty happy. But the problem is it becomes much more difficult for me to pick up this tool and reconstruct. I have to think my way through it. I have to be careful. And I have to know a little bit about the direction I'm headed. I have to follow a plan, a blueprint. In the same way, God has given us the blueprint in his word. He said, here's how it's all constructed. Here's how it's all put together. Here's what you can destroy. Here's what you can deconstruct. All these things that men have given to their own thoughts and ideas, deconstruct them all you want. But here are the things that are foundational and are pivotal. And you can't tear these apart or you make the chair a stool. Well, I hope some of this has helped today. It's helped me. It's helped me to understand where I need to look when I have temptations to walk away, when I have thoughts about walking away, you have, when I have thoughts about could this be right, is this right? You say, Pastor Eddie, you're a pastor for 45 years. You have those thoughts? Yeah, sure. Sure, I don't think there's anybody who don't have, doesn't have those thoughts. But the truth of the matter is I always come back to the basics, to the foundations, and to the things that are primary in faith. And I've never found them to let me down. I've never found them to be anything but true. But if there's someone you would like to talk to, if it would help for you to talk to someone, if you've got some questions, I almost wish that we could all just be in the room together this morning so that you could just stop me and say, wait a minute, hold on, i got a question, i, I got a thought. I almost wish we could have that kind of discussion today. And, and really, frankly, we can of sorts. There will be some people who right now are waiting to talk to you, waiting to pray for you, waiting to answer questions, ready to get into a discussion with you. Maybe you can find a small group of people who could gather around and talk about these things. But most importantly today, I'm praying that you'll do a theological triage in your own life and look at what's most important and settle those issues right now once and for all. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this moment and thank you for giving us the truth in your word. Thank you for giving us salvation through Christ, his finished work on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, the foundation of our faith. Oh God, may we stand firm on that foundation from now and forever. Amen and amen.